Golden Dale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday, friends. It is going to be uh, a very thought-provoking Thursday. As a matter of fact, Porch Report 315, talking about the true threat of tyranny. What happens when the power of suggestion becomes the law of the land? Will you obey? Now, uh, <clears throat> I got to say something here at the at the outset. I was just reminded this morning that one year ago I was on the road on, a, on an epic adventure. It was a 6,000 plus mile road trip with the People's Convoy, taking the will of we the people to deliver the message to Washington, D.C. that, hey, time out, all of this medical tyranny, all this lockdown, mask up, get the jab stuff. That's no bueno. That's no good. That's not the, that's not the American way. That's a violation of our constitutional rights. It's a violation of our basic human rights. And I, I mean, that whole experience was, was uh, wild from start to finish. But really underneath that, and what we're going to be getting at here today, it, it ties together. Underneath the, uh, the whole People's Convoy movement, underneath the, the oppressive pandemic lockdowns, the preemptive precautionary measures and all of that, was the suffocating human spirit. It was, you know, this assumption that the state had the authority to rule our lives with unrestricted authority. Essentially, there, there was no limit to what they could and couldn't do. And it's, it's in that light today that we're going to dig in. It's a little philosophical, friends, but bear with me. I want to break this down really uh, simply. I want, I want you to imagine for a second being arrested. Yeah, that's it. They come, they, they pull you out of your house, they pull you out of your car, whatever. You're being arrested. But you're not being arrested because you are a criminal, mind you. You're not being arrested because you've stolen something that wasn't yours, or you, you, you're not being arrested because you physically or emotionally abused somebody. No, friends, try to imagine being arrested just because you left your house without permission. Imagine being arrested because you failed to finish, say, a full nine months of state-mandated medical treatment for some disease that they, they deem to be dangerous. Can you imagine that? I mean, just think about it. Now, as difficult as it is to imagine being arrested for failing to comply with nine months of state-mandated medical treatment or just leaving your house, this is what's happening right now to a woman not far away, just up the road here, Pacific Northwest, Tacoma, Washington. There's a warrant out for her arrest because she refuses to submit to the, man, to the demands of the state health department. She refuses to remain isolated for months on end and undergo involuntary medical treatment. And at this point, if she continues to refuse to comply, she's going to be arrested, thrown in jail, strapped down, and forced to comply. That's what's going to happen. If she doesn't comply, she is going to be declared a threat to public health and safety. And as such, she loses her rights as an individual, and she's going to be punished by the collective, by the state. Okay, So just sit with that for a bit and think about the precedent. Consider you know, the assumptions being made here. Really think about it, friends, because if, if the state can force someone into isolation, then they can force you into isolation. If the state can force someone to receive medical treatment against their will, then they can force you to receive medical treatment against your will. 
If they can arrest and imprison someone for not complying, then they can arrest and imprison you for not complying. There are no longer any limits to this to the state's authority over your life at this point or in that circumstance, I should say, then they, they, they simply they own you. Right. Isn't that what it means? They will take your money and they will tell you what you can or cannot do. They will force you to comply and they will threaten you if you do not. They'll tax your food. They'll tax your fuel. They'll tax your fun. They will tax your car, your house, and your stuff, right? They will tax your business and your paycheck. You will have to pay the state fees just to drive your vehicle, fees to walk in nature, fees to go camping, fees to do business, fees to go to concerts, fees just to participate pretty much in every area of life. And this is the reality that we're living in right now, is it not? What do we see? We see people just go along with it. This has become the norm. That's, again, that's what we're dealing with right now. But just to be clear here, the state is threatening you. The state is taking your money. The state is telling you what to do. They will arrest you, imprison you, and destroy your life if you do not comply. And that's why people go along with it, right? Because they're scared of punishment. Am I wrong? Have I, you know... I don't think so. <laughs> is this right? Meaning, is it morally right? Is this acceptable? Is this okay? Is this the uh, a healthy balance of power? Is this a healthy dynamic in society that the government can can threaten you, take your money, tell you what to do, arrest you, imprison you, and destroy your life if you don't comply? Is and people go along with it because they're scared. Is that right? It doesn't seem right to me. It certainly doesn't sit right. Now, think about that lady. Who's running around right now? She's trying to lay low, probably ducking behind the bushes every time she sees a cop car, right? She's trying to escape the fate of involuntary treatment and isolation. She's, you know, she's trying to outrun the state agents who are going to track her down. And I bet she's scared, too. And, you know, she should be scared because they're going to grab her. They're going to lock her up. They're going to strap her down. They're going to stick a needle in her arm or whatever, you know. But not only should she be scared, friends, you should be scared, too. I've often said that what a government does in one place, they can do in another. This is the key to understanding the, the age of global governance. Okay, The government assumes they have the authority to do something. They have the right. The individual does not have the right. Okay, This is collectivism versus individualism at its root. As the world waxes on about global democracy and our common agenda and diversity, equity, and inclusion and all this crap, what they do in one place, friends, they can do in another. And it really doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. It doesn't matter whether you agree that the state health department has the authority to send the state police after a, a, a sovereign citizen to grab an, an individual against their will and lock them up to force them under, uh, to undergo state-mandated medical treatment. Okay? It doesn't matter whether you agree with that or not. They're doing that right now. Now. And what they do in one place, they can do in another. And even though many people think, oh, that'll never happen here. Luke, come on. That's, there's got to be some reason for that. You know, We can try to rationalize it away. I'm sure there, there, there's some really good reason why the state is acting this way. Maybe, maybe not. You know, The people who think that it will never happen here, they're wrong. And here's why. And this is the meat of what I want to get into today. Government, I'm sorry, governments are just an organized group of people. Any government anywhere is just an organized group of people. 
This organized group of people we call the government, this organized group of people then governs, which is to say they guide and direct public affairs. Okay. Do we need government to guide and direct public affairs? Well, I guess, you know, uh, you know, it's all well and good. Maybe, you know, uh, we need people to, to, to put their heads together to fix the potholes and, and, and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's a need for civil structure in society, not advocating anarchy here. So it's all well and good until the government decides to start making rules for everybody else. When the government's making rules for everybody else, that's an authoritarian government. There's an important distinction between managing public funds and fixing potholes and making rules for everybody else. Those are two very different things. Uh, serving the public in a leadership rule, uh, uh, role, I should say, serving the public in a leadership role is, is stewardship. We need to have stewardship. We need to have leadership. However, threatening the public with arbitrary rules, that's dictatorship. We do not need to have the government threatening people with arbitrary rules. That's dictatorship. We want leadership and stewardship, not dictatorship. Now, we're going to deal with the dictators here in a moment, but I first I want to drill down on group dynamics just a little bit. It's important to think it through. When we when we can reduce society's complex social dynamics to simplest terms, then we can talk about it. Okay? It allows us to better understand the forces at play. It gets, it gets philosophical and complicated, but it's really not. You know, again, the government is just one group of people. Now, let me ask you, what happens when one group of people try to start telling other groups of people what to do? Naturally, what happens? Well, there's going to be disagreement, right? And if, there's, if the disagreements can't be settled, then there's going to be conflict and all this kind of stuff. This is really uh, the root of perpetual conflict is one group trying to control another. It's pretty straightforward. You know, you might even be able to get a lefty to agree with you, right? I mean, any intellectually honest liberal would say, you're right, Luke, you're right. That's a damn good point. <laughs> now, think about what's happening in Ukraine right now. I saw an article out today, and it was about an NBC reporter who went on the ground in Crimea and only to discover, wow, there, 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 there's no way Crimea is going to, you know, go to the Ukraine because all the people living in Crimea think that they're Russian. Okay. So you think about what's going on in Ukraine, regardless of the narrative, it's a perfect example of different groups of people fighting to the death over their differences, fighting to the death really over who gets to decide. Now, think about gangs and corporations and political parties. These groups, they also battle it out over competing interests. They too sometimes kill each other in the process. And the point is this, the point is that all of this is perfectly natural. In fact, it's been happening since the dawn of time, and it's going to continue to happen forever without fail. I assure you, I say that very confidently, friends, because I believe that this is a natural pattern. It's a natural pattern that exists in the natural world. It's not just human nature that organizes into groups and then competes and has conflict. Based on direct observation, meaning anybody anywhere can look out and look at the world and directly observe this phenomenon, you know, this is a perfectly predictable natural phenomenon. Indeed, friends, I believe that it is an inseparable aspect of nature itself that groups will organize and, and you know, compete. Now, the importance of this fact, in fact, could not be overstated. It is, it is super important 
You know, the truth of it may 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 at first kind of seem kind of subtle. Luke, it's kind of philosophical fluff. But I want to tell you, friends, the weight of this reality is the wrecking ball in which one can shatter the various illusions of collective thinking. They think about the collective hive mind, the mimetic virus and all that kind of stuff. You know, this is the truth that can that can we can be using to mm, destroy the delusion, so to speak. But l- let me stay on task here. Nature itself organizes into groups. That's the truth. Okay, And we can present this truth. We can share this truth. Is that true? Well, yes, nature does it organize into groups. You know, uh, we, we see, you know, groups of animals getting together and fighting with other groups of animals. And, and even, you know, uh, if you think about plant life, fl- you know, weeds group together and plants group together. It's, it's fascinating. If you really think about it, groups organize together naturally. And these groups compete naturally. And some groups win and some groups lose naturally. And the battle goes on in perpetuity naturally. Am I wrong? Think about it. Would anybody argue with that fact? I don't think so. Now back to governments are just an organized groups of people, right? It's an organized group of people. By extension, governments are going to naturally form and compete. By extension, some governments are going to win and some forms of government are going to lose and the battle is going to go on forever and ever. This is reality, is it not? Now, of course, when we think about governments forming and competing, we're really just talking about people getting together into groups and competing with other groups, right? You following me here? Because governments, just like all groups, they're really just people, right? So these governments are competing, but it's really just people competing. Keep that in mind. And if you think about it, you know, you think, oh, I got to go talk to the government. I got to go deal with the DMV or some office, state office, right? Oh, no, you know, I got to do this. I got to do that. What are you going to do? Are you actually talking to or dealing with the government? No, you're talking to an actual person most often. Okay, now that's changing. As a side note, friends, the 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 the, the change, the push toward digital governance is to remove this human element from the equation. That's a very very dangerous proposition because we lose face with the humanity. The government becomes this this uh, entity which shall not be challenged and approached. At any rate, uh, when when it's an actual purpose, uh, actual person sitting in the government office and you go in there for a purpose, you're having a face-to-face and you, you have an opportunity to to talk about <laughs> the, the dynamic of power between who gets the rules and, and who gets ruled or schooled here in this case. Now, let's circle back. Circle back to the lady who's ducking for cover uh, so she doesn't get arrested and locked up in a state facility where she's forcefully treated by the authorities. Is it the state that's doing that to her? Is she running from the government? And I, I realize at first, well, yeah, that is the state that's doing that. Yeah, yeah, she is running from the government. Okay, sure, maybe. Or is she actually running from the people who are representing the government? Who are these people who represent the government? You know, is it the state health department? Is it, is it the policeman? You know, who is it? Okay. Whoever these people are who represent the government, these individuals are human, just like the rest of us, are they not? You know, regardless of the role, uh, regardless if they're the head of the health department, chief of police, the officer who arrests her, the nurse who forcefully sticks a needle in her arm while she's strapped down and screaming, you know, these are just individuals. These are people, too. Right now, 
each of these people, these individuals who represent the state, they have to eat, sleep and do their business and navigate their life like the rest of us. I mean, this is this is obvious when you start to think about it. State officials are human, too. So then the question comes, what gives them the right to treat people differently like this lady they're trying to track down and throw in the, in the mandatory treatment? What gives them the right to grab you, throw you in a padded room, strap you to a table and inject you with whatever the heck they want? What gives them that right? The answer, friends, is nothing. There is no such right. It does not exist. That right does not exist now. It will not exist ever. But, 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 but here's the thing. That does not mean that people do not believe that this right does exist. I'll say it again. Just because the right does not exist to grab you, lock you in a room, stick a needle in your arm, that doesn't mean that people don't believe that that right exists. In society at large, it's safe to say that uh, the majority of people assume the state does have that authority. The state does have the right to arbitrarily make up some rules, to take your money, to force you to comply, to punish you if you don't. You know, if you recall, friends, if you've been with me for a while, we've talked about this several times, but Larkin Rose, he called this the most dangerous superstition, that one human being has authority to, to forcefully control another. We discussed that in Torch Report 170, the threat of authority. It's there, link in the article today, on the report today, if you want to go check that out. Uh, but of course, just because the majority of people believe it, doesn't make it so, right? Just because the, the majority of people believe that the state has the authority to do these things, that doesn't mean that that's true. That just means that that's what people believe. Of course, understanding all of this doesn't really solve our problems. So let's just get real primitive here for a minute. Um, now, let's say you're hungry. You're really hungry, but you know what? So is everybody else uh, because the food shortages are going to be real, right? And you've got the only food for miles around. And a group surrounds you and suggests that, hey, maybe you should share your food with everybody else. You know, what do you think? <laughs> Looking around, you realize that your measly portion of food, your scrap of sustenance, isn't going to be enough to feed the group. Not even close. Instead, you realize if you start to pass your food around to share with the group, as the group suggests, then your food will quickly get gobbled up by the group and there will be nothing left. Not only will not everyone get food, but now you won't get any food either. And it is your food, mind you. You harvested it by your own hand. You procured it by your own expenditure of individual effort using your own time and energy. You had invested this time and energy and effort to get this food so that you didn't starve to death. But unfortunately, no matter how hard you try to explain that to the group, the group does not care. They claim that you are being selfish, you selfish human being. They start to call you names. They start shouting about how it's not fair. If you don't share, that's not fair. If you don't share, that's not fair, okay? And the more they shout, the more excited the group becomes. And pretty soon, their friendly suggestion to share your food starts to take the form of an ultimatum. Now you will either give us your food or we will beat you and take it from you by force. By now, friends, the group is convinced that you are being selfish and unwilling to share. That's their perspective. They believe that with conviction, emotional conviction, I might add. And they also believe that you do not have the right 
just to keep your food for yourself and not share it. That's not right. That's not equitable. That's not fair. You must share. And they are going to make you share because that's what's best for the group. They must now take your food by force because you are selfish and unwilling to share. This, they claim, is for the greater good. It's their right to your food versus your right to survive. Now, I realize, friends, I'm, I'm hitting that 20-minute mark. I just did the, uh, that poll here, and it was, it was toss-up. Some people are like, yeah, 20 minutes tight. You know, some people are like, 30 is good, and some in the middle. So I'm going to balance this out just a little bit here. But bear with me. Okay, it's their, it's their right to your food. You're in this primitive situation versus your right to survive. Now, let's ask some questions. Where does their right to your food come from? It doesn't exist, but where does it come from? It comes from the belief that they have the right. But where does this belief that they have this right to your food come from? Well, it comes from the fact that somebody suggested it. Somebody thought up, aha, I think that's not fair. And they said it out loud, that's not fair. And everybody else said, that's not fair. You're right, that's not fair. He has to share, that's not fair. You know, the right to take your food does not exist in reality. It's not to say they couldn't just forcefully take it, but the right, quote unquote, right to take your food does not exist. But this hungry group of people believe that it does precisely because somebody suggested it. Similarly, the right to take your money does not exist, but plenty of needy, greedy people believe that it does precisely because someone suggested it. The right to take away your freedom your bodily integrity, your self-sovereignty, your personal autonomy, that right does not exist. But different groups of people believe that it does precisely because someone suggested it. Friends, there is a small group of people who believe that they have the right to take your money by force, to force you into compliance, even forcefully cover your face, to restrict your breathing, to stick a needle in your arm, to censor what you say, to limit where you can go, and to even tell you what you can and cannot think. And though no such right actually exists, these people believe that it does. Why? Because someone suggested it. Friends, the government believes they have the right to control you. What do you believe? Do you believe the government has the right to control you? There are many, many groups who do, regardless of what you believe. You know, but these groups, why do they believe they have the right to control you? Because someone suggested it. Friends, this right to control other people does not exist in nature. The right to defend yourself does. Thus, the true threat of tyranny lies not in the tyrants themselves, but in the belief that they rule by right that, and their ability to convince other people to agree, that they rule by right. It's a moral obligation, okay? Whether out of fear or out of ignorance, when the majority of people fall prey to this suggestion that their group has the right to control any other group, 
or any other individual by force, tyranny soon follows. History is repeating itself. And at this point, friends, the majority, make no mistake about it, the vast majority have been fooled. They believe the suggestion that the government has the right to control you by force, and that means you better prepare Prepare to defend yourself, friends. Prepare to defend yourself. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time. Do me the honor. Go to the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Don't forget you can support this publication by joining the Patriot Club. And above all else, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. 